Hi, Pathway, and welcome to church. Today we're going to be continuing on in our sermon series about the armor of God and this cosmic lens idea. I'm so excited because today I get to talk about one of the cornerstones, really, of our walk with Jesus, and that is our faith in Jesus. And so if you don't mind turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, we've been living there for a few weeks now. We're going to live there for a couple more as we finish out the armor of God over the next couple weeks. So we're going to start this week in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. So once you get there, let's read it. It says this, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have given us this book to study from, this understanding of who you are, Lord, this way that we can get to know you more intimately. Lord, as we seek out your face today, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would enjoy your presence and that we would be blessed by what you have to say. Lord, that we would be encouraged in our walk and in this battle, Lord, that we are fighting. I pray that you would just be here with us and that we would just humbly come to you and ask for more. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and we love you. In your name, amen. So faith is an interesting topic because, well, it's, it's very important for us, <laughs> but it's also very pertinent to us as believers. We have faith in everything that we do on a daily basis. If you sit down in a chair, you have faith that that chair is going to hold you up. Some of us need more faith than others that that chair is going to hold us up. But even when you get into your car, you're turning on your car, you're having faith that not only will everything work correctly, but also once you start driving, you're having faith that the other drivers around you know how to operate their vehicles correctly so that you all don't end up in a car crash. And again, sometimes that's easier said than done. But we have faith that, that all of these things take place. And so it is a constant thing. It's something that we see in every corner of our lives, in everything that we do. And yet it's interesting because the enemy, Satan, is always trying to get us to doubt. He's always trying to get us to the point where we don't feel like we should have faith or that we don't need faith to continue walking forward. And so, so it's interesting that it surrounds us and yet everything says that we shouldn't have faith in certain things. It's okay to have faith in that chair. It's not okay to have faith in God is what the world will tell us. And so it's interesting because we need to know what faith is, why we have faith, what it, what it means to us, all of those kinds of things so that we can have this defense as Ephesians 16 or 616 talks about this defense against the fiery darts of the evil one or the wicked one. And so we need to start at a very practical spot and that is answering the question what is faith. And it's interesting because we use faith a lot. It is a commonly used word in the Christian world and yet a lot of us don't really think about how to define it and we don't know how to define it. it it's kind of this nebulous thing where it's like, well, if you got it, you know what it is. And so defining faith can become difficult sometimes. Um, it's, it's easier because when we talk about action verbs, we talk about, again, sitting in a chair. There's an action there that, that describes what faith is. Well, you're sitting down in that chair and you're going down and there's a point of no return where you're going to have to have faith that gravity is going to stop once you hit that chair. And so 
action verbs are how we start de describing faith. And that's not wrong. Faith is absolutely something that we live. It is something that we practice. And so it's easy to, it's easy to describe what faith looks like when it's a practical action. And so we often try to do it like that. We try and give it actionable words to describe our faith. And again, not wrongly so, but I do believe that we need to go to the Bible and we go to scripture on finding out what faith is to us. And so uh, I believe uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1 gives us as believers the best definition. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so there's a very, again, you have to unpack this statement because what is faith? Well, it is the substance of things hoped for. Well, all of us can think about that for about two seconds and think to ourselves, well, things hoped for, we don't have, they don't have substance. They're, that's why they're defined as hope. And then also it says the evidence of things not seen. And, and a lot of us would say, well, there's no way you can have evidence. Evidence means proof. And there's no way you can have proof in something that you don't see. But the Bible is saying very clearly here that our faith is what brings those things to pass in our lives in reality. And so when we look at, again, the Santa Claus has a great statement in this. <laughs> and it is, it is uh, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. And so that's kind of how faith works is it's the idea of once I believe, it makes it a lot easier to think, well, is God big enough to take care of the things that I have questions on? People bring up Balaam's donkey often. Well, I mean, it's a donkey talking. Well, is your God big enough to be in control of the physical world and have a donkey talk? I, I believe personally that's it's a pretty easy one. I think God kind of made the rules so he can bend them if he wants to and when he wants to. And there's a million examples of this where we have to have faith that God is who he says he is. We have to trust that he, he is who he says he is and he does what he says he's going to do. And we're going to talk about that more in depth later here. But there's a tendency among believers to think that where certainty of knowledge ends, that's where faith begins. And, and we say, I believe that God exists. And that's our, our foundation is that, that we believe that God exists. That is completely true. And that's a good place to start because without believing that God exists, there's no Christian walk because if you don't believe that God is there, then I mean, you're not following anything. You're, you're literally just being moral or morally good. And so um, it is true that God exists, but uh, we, we have to get to the point where we understand it's more than that. And James 2.19 says this, you believe that there is one God and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Even the demons believe and tremble. Believing in God is great, and it takes faith to do that. However, that is the same faith and the same amount of faith that the demons have. And so even demons say that God exists. And not only that, they go a little bit step further, and they tremble. And so we have to do more than just say that God exists. It has to be more than, well, yeah, I believe in God. Great. That is a great starting point to build your faith on, but it's not the end of your faith journey. And so think of it this way. How would your spouse or your child feel if they came to you and said, uh, mom, dad, husband, wife, baby, sweetie cakes, whatever you guys call each other. If they said to you, 
do you believe in me? And you thought about it for a minute and you sat back in your chair and you furrowed your brow and looked at him up and down. And then after a few minutes, you looked at them and said, yes, I believe you exist. That's a big difference from what they were asking. And, and it, <laughs> faith doesn't begin where knowledge ends. Knowledge grows our faith. And so it's not just the fact of, yes, I see you before me. And so therefore you exist. It's more than that. It is, I have faith that you, I believe in you. I believe in what you say you're going to do. I believe that I trust you. And that's what we do with God is we trust him and we have faith in him. There's a, there's a quote that says, the most complete knowledge will be accompanied by the most perfect faith. And there, there's this idea that the more you learn, the bigger your faith gets. And that's why apologetics to me is so important uh, in my own life is because the more I learn about why I believe what I believe and where it came from and all of these different things and all the different worldviews and, and all this kind of stuff, to me, my faith grows as I do that. And, and here's the thing is the shield of faith, as we talk about Ephesians chapter six, the shield of faith was, if you guys can picture it in your head, it was an oval shaped shield. And it wasn't like, you know, this big or as big as this table or anything like that. It was almost head to toe of, of this shield. And it was this, this idea of it would cover the whole body of the soldier. He could crouch behind it and be completely protected from the projectiles of the enemy. Now, oftentimes in battle, they would be, you know, coated with all sorts of different things or, or have, you know, animal skins wrapped around them because the enemy would actually light their arrows on fire and shoot them into it. And they were able to be protected from that flame as well as the arrow. And so I'm sure you guys have, most of us have seen a movie that you know, depicts that in some way. So you probably have it in your head on what that might look like. But it's this idea of this is, this is my refuge. This is where I take, you know, I take, I get my protection from this shield. And, and most people would think as we, as we're going to talk about later, it's probably a good idea to have your shield almost above everything else that you take out in, in your armor. And so when we increase our knowledge of the Lord through our study of his word and things like apologetics, our shield of faith gets bigger and protects us more and wider and taller. And, and we actually have more of a protection. And now there might be people that think to themselves, well, why do I need that big of a shield? It's not that important, right? Well, first Peter five, uh, eight and nine says this, it says, be sober be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There's this idea that Satan is looking to get you and he's waiting for someone to drop their guard. We, uh, a friend of mine, we watch this show called hostile planet. And every time we turn it on, it looks like just little baby animals getting killed in random ways. And we were thinking about it and it's like, well, no, no, duh. Like that is the world is the innocent, the, the unprotected, the children of the world or the baby animals of the world are always the ones getting eaten because they're the slowest. They're the ones that haven't learned how to swim fast or how to run fast yet. And so it's that same idea. Satan is walking around trying to find that one person that doesn't have their shield. Or, or is just barely beginning their faith walk so that he can devour them because he's going he's gonna to pick off the, the sick and the little first. And so 
that's no different in our spiritual battle as it is in the real world. Our faith goes to new levels as we resist him, however. Our faith grows as we resist the devil, and we must be steadfast in it. And so there's this idea of standing up and standing firm and and standing against what's coming against us and not running away from, from the projectiles that are coming down, but standing up and holding our shield tight to our chest or wherever else that protects our body. He wants to take you out, and he lie, the lies that he tells are very coercive. See, he, he's very good at this, and he knows how to take you out. He knows what works against us. He knows what kinds of things you're going to be listening to. He knows what kind of temptations to put in front of your face to get you to put your shield away. They, they, he tempts us to believe that God doesn't care or that he's not even there. He tries to tell us that our sin isn't as bad as other people's sin, or the better one is that I don't sin doesn't even exist. And and he works and and even the devil doesn't even exist. Satan doesn't exist. And there's a great Keith Green song called No One Believes in Me Anymore. And it's this idea that Satan has convinced the world that Satan doesn't exist. And so he can run rampant in the world because we're not trying to resist him. We don't believe that he's actually there. And so, I I mean, I had a band director in high school that told me flat out he has never sinned in his life. And he told me that he he never would be convinced that he has sinned. And so so there's this idea that, yeah, that's not me. That's just some religious hierarchy that they get to make you obey and give your money. And, And there's this cynicalness, but the battle that we fight is very real. It is very real, and we need to be very prepared for these projectiles to come because they will come and they will pierce us. The question then becomes not why does he do it? Because we know why he does it. He wants to take us down with him. But more, why do I believe it? Why do we tend to put down our our defenses? Uh, We put them down and we ignore the burning arrows that are flying towards our faces. We, we do that, and it's just weird that we do that, but we put our guard down for many different reasons. There's a, there's a tactic in battle, when you're in battle, where an enemy will attack another enemy or another army hard and fast and then withdraw just as fast after, after a really intense attack. They, what, what this does is that lulls the army into believing that the enemy gave them everything they had, that the army fought the enemy off and now the army can rest because the enemy, he's given us his best shot, let's all go to sleep. And that's when the enemy turns around and attacks again even stronger and catches the army off guard. They had put their guard down. He claims victory. And, and here's the thing is this is a very commonly used tactic. So even if you guys want a more modern example of this, in June 6, most of us know as D-Day, uh, in 1944, the Allies leading up to June 6, the Allied armies actually pummeled uh, all of the coast of northern France, just threw everything they had at it. And planes were constantly flying over, bombs were constantly dropping, and most of the Germans knew the, in the German army, or you know the people in the German army, they knew, okay, the attack is coming soon. The invasion is happening soon. But it happened for, you know, three to six weeks before D-Day actually happened. 
they were just bombarding the coastal area. And so they, they lulled the German army to sleep in a sense, in an ironic way, because I doubt you're getting much sleep with bombs dropping. But they lulled them to sleep because nobody ever came. The bombs would drop, but no people would actually come to invade. And so they were like, yeah, it's coming, but we just don't know when. It's, it'll probably be July, maybe August even. And so they're just dropping bombs on us because, yeah, it, nobody's showing up yet. And so when, when June 6th actually came and men started actually dropping from the sky and coming out of the ocean, actually for a long time it took most of the army to even believe that this was the true invasion. They were thinking, no, nah, this isn't it. No, it's not happening right now. It's, it, it, it's a distraction. It's a tactic. And so it was a successful tactic of the Allied armies to do this because it lulled that German army to sleep. It lulled them to a point where they thought they were safe. And so it's no different with the enemy. He attacks us strong and then withdraws and we put our guard down thinking like, whew, I resisted that temptation. Now I can go out and celebrate. And then he attacks again almost immediately. And, and we're left wondering, how did that work so well? And, and so here's the idea, guys, is we have to keep our guard up. But so often we put it down. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says this, Watch, stand fast in the faith. There's that phrase again. Be brave and be strong. Some of your translations might say act like men, referring to the men in an army who stand in the battle and actually make that wall of shields. And so there's this idea that we are to stand up against the enemy and not be lulled to sleep and not put our guard down. Knowing what you believe and why you believe it is the key to standing up and steadfast against the enemy. That is what will allow you to be brave in those moments, to be courageous, to be strong, to, again, the vernacular, act like men. You stand up with your shield knowing that the, the arrows are going to bounce off of that shield. He is not going to get through to, to my faith, to my core. And so no matter what he throws at it, it becomes just kind of like, okay, I can take this if your faith is big enough. But that means you have to put in the effort. It means you have to study his word. It means you have to study apologetics and things like doing Bible studies with other people and getting that iron sharpening iron. That kind of stuff is very important in this. Otherwise, our faith gets stagnant and we kind of just think we know everything. And, and oftentimes, guys, that's when the enemy won't attack because you're not doing anything. You're not dangerous. You're not a threat. Faith is what, faith in what God's word says and who he is and the promises that he has made to us, and the main components of our shield, uh, th those things make up our faith. Those things make up what we have as a defense against these attacks. And most of us know what these attacks look like, whether they're, whether they're physical, whether they're emotional, whether they're coming from people who think you're ridiculous for believing in Jesus or in God in general, or it's people that are saying mean things or just dreams or whatever it is, spiritual attacks. We have all experienced something where we feel like, man, I am just going through it right now. And, and it's our faith that will carry us through that. It's our faith that will defend us against that. And so it's, it's important that we do not put that shield down. We think the attack is over, and that's when the, the enemy is inclined to attack. As, as soon as we put that shield down, 
we think, okay, we're safe. And that's when he attacks us. That's when he gets us. And there are times even still that we put our guard down due to our unbelief. We, unbelief in God is, is what says he is or what, sorry, unbelief in who God says he is or what he will do for those that trust in him is, is where we have a problem here. It's an unbelief that he can take care of it. It's an unbelief that he's big enough to make a donkey talk or to get us out of that situation or to be able to pay our, fi- our, our bills even, even though we don't have enough income for our outgo. So Isaiah 26.3 is where I go with this because we get emotional about these things and we get built up about these things and we, we feel like we need to have the answers and we need to have them right now. And so Isaiah 26.3 says this, it says, you, meaning God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace is something that I think, I don't even know if I understand what perfect peace is. It is something that is so sought after and yet we so often miss it because we, try, we get in our own way. And so how do I have perfect peace? I have my mind stayed on the Lord. And, and guys, I know that a lot of people say, yeah, I get it. You get to work in a church. I have to work in the real world. I don't get time to stay my mind on the Lord and just rest in Him. And can I tell you, it's all about what kind of time you make of it. And, and it's important that we don't say, well, I, don't, I can't find time to, to spend with the Lord you're right. You'll never find time to spend with the Lord. The enemy will do anything he can to never let you have enough time to spend with the Lord and to study his word. You have to make that time. You have to set a date and keep that date with the Lord and say, no matter what, I am going to put my mind on you right now. No matter what, I am going to commit to giving. And no matter what, I am going to commit to serving. No matter what, I am going to commit to studying your word and to worshiping you into prayer time. And so these things are the the ways, and we've talked about that with abiding in Christ and things like that. They're so important to our faith and that's what builds our faith up. And again, just the image of the more you build your faith up, the bigger that shield gets and the more protected you are from all of the attacks. That doesn't mean that the attacks stop. It means that you are protected from them. So that perfect peace, so important but it comes only when we have our minds stayed on him. Our minds have to be on him. And that really is what faith is. Our minds just revolving around the Lord and his, his ways, his word, his, what he wants for our lives. That is so important. And first John, when we have that, we will have a victorious faith. And so I want to read first John uh, chapter five, verses four and five. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? When we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, when we trust that as as the Word, it changes who we are. It changes how we talk. It changes what we post on Facebook. It changes the way we live our lives. It is so important that we understand that when we come underneath Jesus Christ 
as our personal Lord and Savior, He changes everything in us, not for the bad, but for the good. He changes us to be more like Him, which He was perfect. So I think we, we want to be more like a perfect person. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we overcome the world. We overcome the things of this world. We overcome the fights of this world. We overcome the complaints of this world or the temptations of this world. All of those things are overcome when we place our faith in Jesus. It's the idea of complete victory over an enemy. A rout is what they would call it. A, a victory where the enemy doesn't even have a chance is when we place our, Jesus, our faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith allows us to block the attack against him or against us from him is how I should put that. The other parts of this armor are working together with the shield. And now we, we get to not just stand there and take the attack, but we can attack against the enemy. And, and really, that's not, that's not anything that we do against Satan. I want to be clear on that. It is us going out and making disciples. Think of yourself, if, if you want to keep in the battle vernacular, we are medics on the battlefield. That's what we do. We, we don't shoot a lot. We go and we, we help people come back to Jesus and become part of this army, this army of medics with swords. It's, it's weird and it's fun because I like battles. So there's just this idea though, guys, that we aren't just sitting back and taking it. We are actually bringing the fight to the battlefield. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We have that confidence that we can go forth and we can fight this battle because we are protected. We are protected by God and we are protected to do His will. We have faith that Jesus is who He says He is and that He is able of saving us from all evil. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. I just want to read a quick passage. It says this, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, keyword, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Guys, we have hope through our faith. Our faith brings hope to us. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, again, faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. Our faith gives us that tangible that we so often want with our faith. And so, remember that we are able to see God through our faith in his word. It is so important that we take shelter behind our faith when the fiery darts of the enemy start to fly towards us. Don't stand out in the middle of the battlefield unprotected. Make sure that you are working to build that shield up to protect yourself as much as possible. We must take up the shield of faith because without it, we literally have, get this, no hope. <laughs> We will just die on the battlefield, and then we'll, we'll become a casualty. The battlefield is no place to wander off 
uh, and, and just kind of be wandering. It's no place to go unprepared. We need to have our armor on when we go out into the battlefield. Otherwise, we're in trouble. So this week, let me challenge you to take up your shield of faith in Christ. Hide behind him when temptations come, when things are overwhelming, when all hope seems lost. He will protect you from the fiery darts of the enemy. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have given us this hope, that we have this ability to have faith in you. We love you, and we just want to work together to stand firm in our faith. We thank you so much that you love us and that you protect us and that you, Lord, that you take us into your family. We ask that you would just bless our week as we walk forward in new faith, growing faith, and a faith that is real for us. In your name, amen.